Bow your heads with me just a moment, please. Dear Father, we thank you for the blessing you've given us again to come to the Holy Convocation. We thank you for the strength that you've given us and we praise you for who you are. And Father, though I've never seen you with my natural eyes, though my natural eyes have never beheld you, whom I've never seen, I love. Father, I love you. And I know that I can't love you like you love me. And I know so often I don't love you as I ought to love you. But Father, I'm devoted to you. And I love you with all my heart. I ask you, Father, to rebuke the devil here today and let the hearts of your people be receptive to the truth. I pray, Father, that you make us patient so that we can carefully examine your word. And through your word, we'll receive blessing and thank you for it. Thank you for stretching forth your hand to heal and to deliver. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Lord bless you as you sit. I want to certainly take time to honor everyone who deserves honor. And I know that um, when I start calling these names, I'm going to forget someone's name. And the person who I forget will probably be the most important person. But I certainly want to honor God and thank him for my salvation and certainly want to honor our great presiding bishop and chief apostle of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop Charles Edward Blake. Certainly honor Bishop P.A. Brooks, our first assistant, and Bishop Macklin, our second assistant, presiding bishop, and all the members of the general board who are very special to me and here today. I thank God for each one of them. Certainly want to honor our Mother Rivers. God bless her. Amen. And all of the people of God that deserve honor, the Board of Bishops, and I have dear friends who are with me on the Board of Bishops. I'm certainly happy to see all of them here today. Certainly want to honor also my dear mother who is here with me today. Um, I ask my mother to stand. This is my mother, Evangelist Delphine Richardson. Glad to have my mom with me. And my wife is with me of almost 30 years. My wife, Yvonne, is with me. So happy to have her. Amen. And one of my seven sons, I have seven sons and two daughters, and one of my seven sons is here, Marlon Bush, and we're very happy to have him also. Amen. That's a lot of people, but remember, whenever you go to the house of somebody that has a lot of children, you can be sure there's a lot there to eat. I want us to notice and I'm not going to read the text, but I want us to notice, and uh, Sister, um, Sister Macklin, they should have had me bring the inspirational message. <laughs> and uh, just really enjoyed that word. I want us to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Now, I'm not going to read the text. It's so familiar to us till I want to peruse through it. But I want to tell you that in this convocation, the one thing I want you to really know is that our precious faith is under attack. Now, one reason why it's under attack is because in the church of God in Christ, presently, we have a plethora of false teachers. Our church is being inundated by false teachers. Now listen to this. The prophet of old said, number one, the priest has left the ovulation. He now does not offer up sacrifice because we want to teach now a grace message that does not include any indictment on sin. So we are trying to take our Bibles and selectively remove the word sin or either shift the definition. See, we, we don't say sin no more. We say, you know, everybody got an issue. And then the scriptures are under attack whether or not the Bible is the Word of God. I would hope 
that the generations coming on in the church of God in Christ would consistently defend that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. Come on, I need to hear you. Come on, saints of God, I need to hear you. The Bible is God's Word. Now, now he said, the priest left the appellations. He said, now, listen at this. He said, and the prophets prophesied their own words. And listen what he said. And my people Israel, they love it. You are, you know why we got so many false teachers? I know you don't want to hear me preach this. But the reason why we got so many false preachers and false teachers is because y'all love false preachers. See, somebody stand and tell you, oh, Lord God Almighty. Somebody stand and tell you the truth. You don't want to hear the truth. You like those lies. You know, in the word of the Lord, when Jeremiah was prophesying, when Jeremiah was prophesying, the scripture said he told them, said, uh, God, they don't want to hear me preach this. He said, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the Chaldeans were going to come and they were going to breach the walls of Jerusalem. They were going to take them away as slaves. And, and uh, there was another false prophet in the chamber of the king. And he said, no, that ain't going to happen. He said, uh, Egypt going to come from the north and they're going to rescue us. And the Chaldeans won't breach the wall. And, and you know, Israel be saved. <laughs> Jeremiah said, you'll be dead in a year. But it looked like what the false prophet prophesied happened. And Jeremiah, it seemed like his prophetic word was prolonged and the false prophet's prophecy came to pass. Jeremiah went to God. He said, God, the false prophet looks true. You know in our church a whole bunch of false prophets look true. You're so needy. You're so desperate until you're willing to receive these words that come from these false prophets. And sometimes the false prophet looks true. And Jeremiah went to God and said, God, what about this? I, I look like I'm a false prophet. And he looks like he's a true prophet and he's a false prophet. God said, Jeremiah, don't worry about it. When the Chaldeans come, if I have to kill them on the field and then raise them back from the dead, my word, I need to hear you in here. Come on, I need to hear you, saints of God. My word is not going to fail. And so we got to know that there is a war going on. When I got saved, June the 23rd, 1968, the saints used to sing a song, there's a war going on, and I got to fight. How many of you know it's a war going on? And we got to fight. We got to fight to the whole, let me tell you something, Scripture, listen to me, Scripture is the royal scepter by which King Jesus rules his church. And the gospel is not everything. The gospel is not everything. The gospel is one thing. It's a fixed deposit of inalterable truths. It's, it's one thing. It's not everything. And I think that we need to hold fast. Do I have any witnesses in here? Come on, I need you to talk back to me. Do I have any witnesses? I think we need to hold fast to that. I want us to reevaluate our giants. I want us to look at the giants that we're facing in this New Testament era. And we need to reevaluate our giants because some of us believe, first of all, I get tired of people in church who don't think anybody's going through anything but them. Oh, you done met them people. You done met them complainers in the church who don't believe nobody going through anything but them. But let me tell you what the scripture says. The scripture says, first of all, there is no temptation that has taken you but that which is common to man. That means you're not going through anything today that nobody else has ever experienced. You're not the only man to lose a wife. You're not the only woman to lose a husband. You're not the only one to lose a child. You're not the only one to lose a job. But listen what the scripture says. God is faithful. That means no matter what I'm going through, he's faithful. I think Isaiah 11 said that faithfulness is the belt that holds him up. We know he's a holy God, but his faithfulness
faithfulness exhausts even his holiness. He's a faithful God. And many of you can know even through the recession time and through the time of testing and crisis, God has been right there with you. And I'm here to tell you that God is more than a feeling. He's more than just a jump and a shout. But I want you to know when you're going through, he'll say, here I am. Come on, I need to hear you in here. Come on, saints of God, I need to hear you open your mouth. Come on, I need to hear you praise him. How many know God is faithful? No matter what I'm going through, he's faithful. I want to tell you and present to you from the text today in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 that it was absolutely impossible for David to lose the fight with Goliath. It wasn't no way possible that he could have ever lose, lost that fight. Not only that, I want you to know, are you hearing me? I want you to know that going into the fight, he had the victory. And I want you to understand the articles of your salvation. God does not deliver you when you get in trouble. But I want you to know you're delivered. Let me, let me, let me, let me make this plain to you. Number one, God called you. Everybody in this room that know God called you, raise your hand and say, he called me. All right, if God called you, number one, remember this. He wouldn't have called you if he wasn't going to give you the victory. Because he don't call by mistake. The scripture said, whom he did foreknow, he called. So God knew. The word foreknow in the Greek is not a word that means God knew something ahead of time. It means God causes something ahead of time. You got to understand that God not only can take you through when you get a bonus on your job. He not only is there when you get a promotion. He's not only there when you get married. He's not only there when you buy a new home. But God is there when reverses come. He's there when there's sickness that has invaded your body. He's there when divorce is facing you. He's there in foreclosure and repossession. He's there when you're going through test and trial. He's God when you're going through trouble. He's not just a God in the good times, but he's God in bad times. I heard him say in his word, all things work together for good. What's going to happen is what you're going through, you're going to end up glorifying God through what you're going through. He's going to get the glory. Come on, I need to hear you in here. He's going to get the glory. Oh, yes, he is. He's going to demonstrate his power because the Bible said that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Now, I want to tell you that God sometimes causes things. He allows things and causes things ahead of time because he has picked you out because he's going to demonstrate his power to you. He's going to lift you up. He's going to demonstrate who he is through you. Ah, Lord God, if you could just stand through this time, if you could just hold on through this particular crisis, if you could hold on and not let go, if you could just keep your place, if you could just hold on for just a little while longer, I'm here to tell you that deliverance has come. I'm here to tell you that you're not even here today by accident, but God by his spirit brought you to this place so that you can get encouragement to hold on in this test because even in this test, you're going to win the victory. I need to hear you now. I need to hear a sound of deliverance in this place. I need to hear you open your mouth. I don't know about you, but I've been through some hard things. 2013, 2014 have been two of the most difficult years in my whole life. My God, there have been times here that I felt like giving up. But every time I got ready to give up, it's like the old saints used to sing that song, something down inside of me. Oh, Lord God, do I hear you today? Something down inside of me keeps on telling me to go ahead. Oh, lift your hands. Come on, I need to hear you, saints of God. I need to hear a sound of deliverance in this place. Somebody's going through manifold temptation right now. But if you just hold on right now, if you, if you hold on, God's going to give deliverance. I'm here to tell you that he's God even in turbulent times. He's God in storms. He's God in trouble. Oh, yes, he is. He's God in trouble. And even though these two years for me, 2013, 14, have been difficult years, I want you to know one morning sitting on my bed after completing my devotions, I said, God, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it through just me and you. I, hear that, I know that it's good to have prayer partners. It's good to have people with you. But, Lord, saints of God, you've got to come to a place that even if there's nobody but me and God. 
Oh, Lord God, I ain't talking about pastor's prayers. I'm talking about me and God. Oh, you got to get to that place. But I'm here to tell you that God's divine providence, his power is in work at work in your life even now. Because he said, whom he did for no, he called. He called the one that he knew previously. And he didn't just know, but he caused. So David could not have lost this battle with Goliath. Now I'm going to tell you what you've done. You've done two things. Number one, you made too much out of the giant. And number two, you've forgotten the providence of God. Remember, can you let me preach just a few minutes? Remember now that, uh, you know, Naomi had to go into the land of the Moabites. Remember that while she was there, her sons and her husband were with her. Remember that her sons married Moabite women. And then one of her son and then the other and then her husband, they all died. They died there in the land of the Moabites. And uh, you remember when uh, she journeyed back to Bethlehem. You remember she came with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who was married to one of her sons. And remember that this son that had died, he came, when she came back to Bethlehem, by law, the nearest of kin had to marry the daughter-in-law. Oh, y'all didn't forget that. And, uh, you know, I know that they always try to make the story of Boaz and Ruth a love story, but it wasn't really a love story. If you read your Bible, it was contractual. And some of you daughters in here today, y'all need to learn how before you get so romantically attached to somebody, you need to learn to get you a contract. I know you're sitting here today. I don't believe in no, no arranged marriage. You need to get some arrangements. You see, Ruth and Boaz, I don't have no help in here today. See, some of y'all marrying too many men that got too many ain't gots. He ain't got no APT. He ain't got no J-O-B. He ain't got no C-A-R. He driving your C-A-R. But you better find out, you out here talking about his eyes is green and them contacts. <laughs> you trying to talk about how tall he is and, oh, he's so tall, you better check that brother's credit. I ain't got no help in here. But Ruth and, and Boaz were married because of a kinsman contract that had been issued by Moses in Israel. And because of this, she married Boaz, and her and Boaz had a boy named Obed. And Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David. And the scripture says, and he was the king. But at the time he was getting ready to go into the valley of Eli to fight Goliath, he was not at that time the king. But God had preordained that circumstances would take place that ultimately he would come to be king. And when God has ordained a place for you, don't worry what the doctor tells you. Don't worry about people fighting you and cussing you and tearing you down, lying on you. When God has ordained a place for you, you're not going to die until you inherit all. I need to hear you open your mouth. Come on, saints of God, I need to hear you. So I submit to you, number one, we done made too much of this Goliath. Goliath ain't all that. We got to reevaluate every situation that you're going through. God brought you to the holy convocation to tell you, I'm gonna bring you out all right. I'm not speaking to you trying to bring a good sermon, but I'm speaking to you prophetically that there are some of you been going through manifold temptation. It was a press and a test for you even to come to this convocation. The devil has told you to count yourself out, but the devil is a lie. God is going to bring you. I need you to open your mouth. Come on, lift your hands, saints of God. I got a feeling that everything, 
is going to be all right. If you believe it, jump on your feet, holler real loud, all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Hey, hey! It's going to be all right. Oh, yes, it is. You got to have some staying power. I feel you, God. I'm speaking prophetically to somebody that's on the rope and almost about to let go. But I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me to speak to you. Don't let go. Oh, Lord God. God's going to give you power to make it. Uh, we need to reevaluate this giant, don't we? Uh, the Bible said now, first of all, you have to remember over in chapter 16, God has anointed David. He's anointed him by the hand of Samuel, the kingmaker. My God, and you remember that uh, when Samuel goes to anoint David, you remember that when he anoints him, he does it incognito. It's, it's secret. Uh, he says, now, the rumor that I want to go out is that I was just here offering up the evening sacrifice. That's all I want you to understand. But I'm here for a purpose. God divinely selected David to be king over Israel, but he did not go from the anointing to the throne. You got to understand that sometimes God has to take us through. Oh, yes, he do. He allows us to go through, and it's for his glory that we go through. The Bible said now that you see Israel is at a time of threatening. Uh, the Philistine army is threatening Israel. They are under a threat. Oh, yes. The Bible says now Saul, in his backslidden state, now is encamped upon a hill. And there the Philistines are encamped upon another hill, and they're there getting ready to raise war between each other. The word of the Lord says that the father of David says, I want you to go down into the camp and take these vittles for your brothers. Get some cheese and take it to the general. I want you to bring back to me a token and let me know that my sons are all right. There's a lot riding on this war because in this war I could lose all of my sons. I could lose everything I have. Go, David, now and come back and bring me a report. The word of the Lord says when David went down there, and my God, he heard the threat. While he was visiting with his brothers, he heard the threat of that giant Goliath. He heard his threat. My God, the Bible said when he heard his threat, he became indignant. My God, saints of God, if you really are God's people, when you hear the threat of the world against the church and you hear the threat of the world against God's word, it ought to make you indignant. My God, when we see righteousness in our government, when we see righteousness in our cities, when we see righteousness in our country, in our state, when we see righteousness in our world, we rejoice. But my God, when we see debauchery, when we see devastation and we see decay and corruption, when the wicked are in power, the righteous moan. My God, when David heard these threats come from Goliath, he became indignant. I don't know how holy people can see unrighteousness and rejoice right with unrighteousness. Something about you ought to be indignant when you see unrighteousness. When you see, my God, the dignity, the holiness, the, the righteous standards of God being trampled under our feet. My God, you know, even in the holiness church, we've changed gears now. And now we're saying that you can dress any kind of way, do any kind of thing. Ain't nothing wrong with nothing. Everything is all right. Do whatever you want to do. But my God, I believe the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Yes, it does. But sin is a reproach to any people. The Bible said when that threat came from Goliath, can you let me preach a few more minutes? The Bible said when the threat came, my God, David got indignant. When he began to speak to his brothers, his brothers, my God, began to misconstrue his motives. And the Bible said the brothers began to talk against David. You know, one of the things that I've never understood in the church of God in Christ as a minister is how ministers in the church of God in Christ will tear down other ministers in the church of God in Christ. And we doing the same thing. We got the same work. We doing the same thing. I heard David say, I was wounded in the house of my friend. It was not my enemies that reproached me. I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, I, that didn't magnify himself against me. I could have hid myself from him. He said, but it was you, a person my own equal. We went into the sanctuary together. We greeted one another with a kiss. My God, sometimes the insults 
and the insults and the degrading that we get from our own brothers, the jealousy that we experience from our own brothers, the, the hatred that we experience. How can you say you love God and hate your brother that you see every day? The devil is alive. Oh my God. The Bible said, the Bible said his brothers mistook his motives. And then they, they began to devalue him. Lord God, please sit down. I'm almost through preaching, but uh, they began to devalue him. The word of the Lord said they devalued him. First of all, they devalued his occupation. Where are those few sheep that our father gave you to watch? Listen to me. I feel the spirit of the prophetic upon me to say to the men of God. So oftentimes, pastors, elders, ministers, you presided over congregations sometime 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years. You've given your life, expended your money, your time, your passion toward people, your love to them. And then they'll turn around and devalue you. They'll treat you like you nothing. My God, some of these people, you labor with them. They got trouble, they got problems, and you labor with them. Then some Mr. Doohickey from somewhere go put up a tent somewhere, and they'll run out of your church and run to somebody's church that they don't know nothing about. The pastor won't even shake their hand. You done labored with them. I don't have no help, but I'm telling the truth. You done labored with them, and they'll walk off from you. My God, listen to me, people of God. We ought to be people of integrity. We ought to have pe people of integrity. You don't walk away from your congregation because some famous preacher came four doors down from you. You stay in your church. That pastor needs you. He needs the tithes that you're paying. He needs the offering that you're paying. He needs your church attendance. Why are you going to leave pastor after he's been with you 20 years? He baptized you. He christened your baby. He dedicated your children. He put, took you through. I know I'm not getting no help. Look how you sitting on me. The devil is alive. labored with these people these people forget all about you and then they begin to devalue you these people that got on first name basis with their pastor what's up Chuck hey Bill come on the devil is alive that man of God he does not deserve to be devalued he deserves to be honored he deserves to be respected he doesn't deserve to be torn down lift your hands open your mouth come on I need to hear you I need to hear you Sometimes we don't even understand. Sit down, I'm going to preach. Sometimes we don't even understand why our people will turn on us after we gave them our money, after we passionately pastored them, prayed through with them, and then they'll walk away from us and leave us standing. My God, you got to be careful. Even though I want to finish my message and move on from this point, I still feel the Spirit of God having me to linger here for a moment. No, I'm speaking to you men, pastors, ministers, pastors that are pastoring. My God, don't you let any outside source devalue who you are. Listen to me. We have 40-something brothers coming into the bishopric with us this time. And the worst thing we can do as men of God is to devalue them and say it's so many of them, they don't deserve our respect. You know, even in a marriage, I'm not preaching to nobody, but I know I'm talking right. Uh, even in a marriage, when you're in a marriage and you get to a place where you don't respect your spouse, when respect is gone, then the marriage is really over. And when we as men of God, if we men in the church of God in Christ, if we don't value one another, if we don't respect one another, if we don't prefer one another, then we are going nowhere. I heard the, I know you want me to move on and I'm going to move on, but I heard the word of God say in Philippians, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any bow of mercy, he said, fulfill ye my joy that should be like-minded, having the same love and the same mind. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. 
My God, you know we ought to be men of God that we don't fight over seats and we don't fight over titles and we don't fight over these things. I love you so much you can have my seat. I love you so much I prefer you to go ahead of me. We need to hold one another up and stop as men of God devaluing one another. Hold your brother up. Oh, Lord God, listen to me, people of God. You come to my church, your members come to my church, and then I defame you. We shouldn't go and defame one another to one another's people. But this is a time that we need to hold one another up. Where the Lord says, I get ready to close my lesson. The Bible says that, my God, his brothers begin to devalue him. But the word of the Lord says that David said, what will be done for the man? That kills this giant. I got problems with him twofold. Number one, he has defied the armies of the living God. Oh my God. And then the Bible says that David said, what's going to be done? They said, well, David, number one, he's going to set the person free from taxes. Sit down. I'm almost through preaching. He's he going to set them free from taxes. Number two, my God, he's going to give him his daughter. And, uh, you know, that gives him to be a part of the royal line. My God, the Bible says, I'm getting ready to close my lesson, but could you stay with me just for a few minutes, please? The Bible says that they heard the words of David and took the words of David to backslidden Saul. When he got there to Saul and he had a testimony, his testimony was, I know what I'm doing. Uh, my brothers, they're out there on the front line, but they don't know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. Listen, I slew a bear. I slew a lion. When you look at it in the Hebrew, he's talking about multiple bears and multiple lions. It wasn't one lion, one bear. He has slew, slew multiple lions and multiple bears. He said, I slew a lion. I slew bears. I, I, and this uncircumcised Philistine, he's going to be just like one of those lions, just like one of those bears. Now, if you look in the text in 1 Samuel 17, when he said this, the Bible said he convinced Saul. So Saul put his armor on him. You remember Saul put his armor on David. Now, most of us misread that. First of all, Saul was backslidden because God had previously told Israel, get rid of all your armor. Nobody is to have any armor. I'm going to fight for you. That's why you got to make up your mind, sister. You got to make up your mind, brother. When you're going to do this thing, are you going to do this thing according to the flesh? Or are you going to do this thing according to the spirit? You can't be, you can't do them both. The Bible said when David put on the armor, he said, I got to take it off. I haven't proved these things. This is not what God has given us to work with. I know y'all love the church growth programs. Every pastor is trying to figure out, I'm going to close, how to have 10,000 members. But I got the church growth program. This one doesn't have anything to do with strategies. But here's the church growth program. Brother, if you want your church to grow, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. If you live holy, your church will grow. Use that strategy. But one thing for sure, sit down, I'm almost through preaching. One thing for sure, you can't walk in the flesh and walk in the spirit at the same time. You can't do it God's way and your way at the same time. But the Bible said David took off what Saul gave him. I haven't proved these things. If you remember in chapter 14, the son of Saul, Jonathan, he had won a battle with no weapons. All he had was his staff. And here David runs down to the valley of Elah with nothing in his hand but a shepherd's staff. And he goes into the valley. Am I preaching yet? And he gets five smooth stones. Now, number one, I want you to see that that, line, that, that, that giant 
He wasn't all what you have made him to be. You've misread your scriptures because Goliath was not all that he was cracked up to be. Number one, the Bible said when David came down, Goliath got insulted. Am I dog <laughs> that you would bring this man, this little boy, am I a dog? But I heard David start confessing. And some of you going through, you need to start making a biblical confession. I heard David say, I tell you what's going to happen. You, you feeling insulted, but I'm going to take your flesh. And I'm going to feed your flesh. Oh, I need some help in here today. Now let's look at the giant. Number one, the giant Goliath was about nine feet tall. The, 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 the armor that he had on was about 200 and some pounds, if you get all of it weighed together. But look at Goliath. When he meets him in the valley, the scripture says, first of all, he has somebody to bear his shield. Now, Goliath was taught in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Why does he need somebody to bear a shield? Number two, when David comes down to the valley, he has his shepherd staff in his hand, and Goliath said, you come to me with sticks, plural. David didn't have sticks. He had one stick. So why did he have a shield bearer? He had a shield bearer because he was an enemy that couldn't even see. that's trying to cut you down he don't know you he can't see you he doesn't know who you really are Goliath was finna fight somebody he couldn't even see you come to me with sticks I'm getting ready to close but the Bible said the next thing he said my God he said now come to me this is what Goliath says to David come to me David looked at Goliath and said, ain't no way that I'm going to come to you. That enemy only knows how to fight one way. He is skilled in hand-to-hand -hand combat. If you come to me, I'll kill you. Some of you have understood that the enemy has torn you down time after time, time after time, because you keep running to the enemy's territory. This time, you need to let that devil know, Satan, I ain't coming on your territory. I'm not fighting your way. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. I'm not coming the same way I came last time I was defeated, because I came to you. I need to hear you open your mouth. Come on, saints of God. I need to hear you. Come on, I need to hear a sound of deliverance. Let that devil know I'm not coming your way no more. Goliath said, come to me. Huh? David said, no, I'm not coming. The Bible said he got those stones, five stones. Somebody said, why did he have five stones? He had five stones, some people say, because Goliath had four other brothers. And when Bishop Lennox used to preach this, Eliezer Lennox, when he used to preach this, he said when he got in the valley, he, he wound up one for the father. I know it ain't in the text, but it sounds good. And two for the son. And three for the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to understand, he was not just a boy with a slingshot, but he was what you call a slinger. And slinger were skilled military men. And David had exercised the art of a slinger. The Bible say in Judges 20 that the, the slingers out of the house of Benjamin could hit a target at a hair's breadth. He was a skilled warrior. Can you imagine how devastated Goliath was when he recognized David wasn't going to fight him on his terms? Saints of God, we can't fight in this world on the world's terms. But our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. we got spiritual weapons. I want you to know the most mighty of our spiritual weapons is the weapon of truth. we got a lot of false teachers and a lot of false preachers, but truth is the, the truth is the weapon against false teaching. I believe that God is getting ready to raise up men of truth men who absorb the word of God in the scriptures and I don't care what Goliath stands before us God's gonna give us the skill and the precision 
to tear that enemy down. If you believe what I'm saying, raise your hand, open your mouth. Come on, I need to hear your praise. The Bible says, and I'm getting ready to close, but the Bible says that David went and took the very thing that Goliath intended to kill him with, and he cut off the head of Goliath. And my God, his father said, bring home a token. But he didn't know the token that he was going to bring home would have been the head of Goliath. I'm here to tell you that victory belongs to the church. We cannot lay down. We got to stand up. I heard Rebecca say, I will stand upon my watch. I know what the enemy is trying to do in this day and time. But whatever the devil is getting ready to do, I'm going to stand on my watch. Come on, I need to hear you, saints of God. Do I have anybody in here that got any fight in you? I said, do I have anybody that have any fight in you? Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? Should I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Surely I must fight if I would reign, increase my courage, Lord, I'll bear the tall, I'll endure the pain, supported by your word. We are soldiers in the army. We've got to fight, although we have to cry. We've got to hold up the bloodstained banner. We've got to hold it up until we die. How many of you in here are willing to fight? I don't know about you, but the fight is on. I heard him say, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Listen to me, it's a good fight because it's a fight of faith. I'm getting ready to close my lesson. But you remember Jacob, when Jacob was getting ready to go and get his inheritance, he was stopped by a stranger and the Bible said he contend he contend with that stranger he began to fight he began to fight that stranger when the night came he began to wrestle he began to wrestle with that stranger he wrestled with him all night long the Bible says that when the day began to break he recognized who the stranger was. When he recognized the stranger, he stopped fighting the stranger. And the Bible say he clinged to him. He held on to him. I heard him say, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. I heard the stranger say, what is your name? I heard Jacob say, my name is Jacob. I'm a supplanter. I am a deceiver. But the stranger spoke back and said, No longer will your name be Jacob. But for now on, your name shall be Israel. And the name Israel means God will fight. Raise your hand. Open your mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, raise your hands. He will fight. Raise your hands. Open your mouth. Say yes. Stand on your feet, I'm going to pray. Don't walk out on me, I'm going to pray for you. Oh, yes, he will. You going through on your job? You going through on your job? He's going to fight. You having difficulties in your ministry? Stand on your watch. He's going to fight. Lift your hands. God, I wish I had a church. Open your mouth. Say yeah!
Yes. Yes. He will fight. Yield. Can I preach one more minute? Yield. Not to temptation. For yielding is sin. Each victory will help you. Some other to win. I heard him say, fight. Manwardly onward. Dark passion subdue. Look ever to Jesus. Raise your hand. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look on to Jesus. You're going to win this fight. You're going to come out with the victory. You're going to come out on top. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you win. Stand where you are. Don't walk out on me, please. I'm going to pray. Don't walk out on me, please. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, don't walk out on me. In Jesus' name, stay just a moment. I'm going to ask you if you're in ministry. The Holy Spirit spoke prophetically to me to speak to you because I know in my life, 2013 and 14 have been difficult years. Oh yeah, nobody could have stood what I've stood in these two years unless God had given them the strength to stand. I'm going to ask you, please don't walk out on me. I am not an apostle, but God gives me some kind of a gift to stir up a gift in you. And I'm going to ask you, you that are suffering, you're struggling in ministry. Pastor, I'm going through things I never thought I'd have to experience. Whether you're a woman or man, I can't lay hands on you, but I'm going to pray for you and God's going to do something for you. If you're in this room, step into any aisle and I'm going to pray for you. You're a pastor, you're an elder, you're an evangelist, wherever you are in ministry. Pastor, this has been a struggle. I've been going through this year. The devil, the devil has tried to defeat me. Step into the aisle. It don't make any difference what aisle it is. Just step into an aisle. And by faith, while you're standing there, it could be financial, it could be physical, but whatever it is, he wouldn't have had me to call you in this aisle unless he's going to deliver. While you're in the aisle, get your hands up. Saints, don't walk out on me. Do not walk out. Stand in that aisle. I've been going through. It's been terrible. It's been hard. It's been harsh. Listen to me while you're in the aisle. Listen to me now. My father, Bishop Patterson, my dear father, Bishop Patterson, he used to say that the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh was people. He said there's quite a bit of evidence in Scripture that that thorn might have been people. Some of you have been going through with people. Oh, glory to God. God said to Israel, the Canaanites will be a thorn to you. Sometimes people can, when, when the Apostle Paul said, I fought the beast of Ephesus, I'm sure he wasn't talking about a beast out of the field. I think he was talking about some people. Come on. And you as pastors and evangelists, you've endured the insults of people. I want you to get your hands up in the air. You've endured the insults of people, the assault of people at the bank. The assault, the assault of people have been upon your ministry and upon your life. Oh yes, we've been depressed. We've been beaten down. But this is a deliverance service. And God's going to bring you out of that right now. I sinned. I made a mistake. It went everywhere. And now my ministry is gone. The devil is alive. This is the ministry of repair. The noonday service. The message of evangelist Vanessa Macklin and the, the message of Pastor Bush. These messages are deliverance. He sent you to this service and you're going to go out of this service repaired. Lift your hands up in the air. Close your eyes and I'm going to pray. Don't nobody walk out on me now. I'm going to pray for you. Father, come on, get your hands up in the air. You know we don't have any power over Satan. We don't have any power over demonic spirits or any of that. It's through you. And in you, we have this ability to cast out devils. Now, Father, this evil one, I feel him in this room, that's oppressing these people. Come against heart and mind. 
Somebody wants to walk away. Somebody wants to say never again. Somebody wants to say never the use. What's the use? I'm through. But God, I pray now that you would magnify your grace. Come on, get your hands up. Some of you that are way in the back, the Spirit of God is speaking to you while I'm talking. Hey, glory to God. Beat back the foal of the adversary. Satan, I adjure you by Jesus, and I command you to cease in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, get your hands up. Close your eyes. Satan, I bind you in your craftiness, in your cunning, and I command you through the authority of Scripture, through the authority of the Word of God, and I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, these ministers, these men, these women of God who have their hands lifted, I adjure you, Satan, I command you by the conquering name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, take your hands off these people. Loose evil. You are evil worker and a lie, but God binds you in this room. Take your hands off of that money. Take your hands off of that ministry. Take your hands off of that marriage. Loose evil in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands up, please, saints, and just close your eyes just a moment. God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to take the diseases off of the people's body. Let them go home out of this place fully healed. Take the diseases away. Let the diseases depart from the people's body in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lift up your hands now, lift them up. Lift up your hands. Don't walk out of this building, lift up your hands. Lift your hands up. Father in heaven, let your word be effective upon these your people and grant to these precious Lord full, complete, and perfect deliverance. Set them free from afflictions from demons and devils and contrary spirits of every kind in nature. AKC Katabokousia. By the power of God, by the name of Jesus, it shall be done. Now don't walk out on me, but for just the next few minutes, I want every minister, every woman, every man of God in this room, open your mouths now. Give him glory. <laughs>